I'm getting sidetracked and angry, which isn't good. Hello and welcome to the Super Bayern Podcast. After returning from a largely disappointing international break, Bayern Munich gave another lackluster showing in a 1-1 draw against Werder Bremen. With the less-than-fit back line, Hansi Flick has a lot of work on his hands as the Bavarians begin to wrap up the 2020 calendar year. I'm Benjamin Scott and I'm here to talk about all of that with my friends Garrett Kerber. Hello, hello. Tim Richards. Hello there. And as always, Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. Well, let's go ahead and start with uh, the game from this last weekend. Bayern Munich um, drew 1-1 against Werder Bremen. It was really a uh, yeah lackluster is the only word I can really think of to describe the game. Very disappointing from Bayern Munich. And, I mean, almost in a sense it was a relief that it ended 1-1. If it wasn't for Manuel Neuer, you kind of get the feeling that the game could have been a lot worse from Bayern Munich. So, uh, Tim, I'll go ahead and start with you. Um, very vague question, but what what went wrong for Bayern this past weekend? This was a very oh, this was such a boring game. Well, it wasn't a boring game. It was it was an exciting game for neutrals, which I think it can be said about a lot of Bayern games. Um, like I think regardless of what happens, you're always guaranteed some form of entertainment. It, but that's more to do with the fact that you know Werder Bremen like showed up and really took the fight to Bayern. It wasn't a case of like back and forth like oh who's going to get the winner like what what's it going to be it wasn't a matter of oh this game was like worthy of being champions league final this was just Bayern looked shocking i think um in attack it was a very attacking lineup um it's like a 4141 but obviously musiala isn't like a he's not really a, a number 8 he's closer to like a number 10 or i think he's I think he's a, a winger by by trade, but um, with guys like him and, and Gnabry and, and Costa, was it was it Gnabry or was it Coman that started? Coman, yeah. Um, e- either way, very attacking lineup. Um, but bizarrely, Lewandowski. This was probably the least that he's been involved in in a game in in quite some time, um, which is strange because I think that was like a big criticism I had of him in like a few seasons ago, where he was just kind of there and he was there to kind of you know if there was a loose ball he'd put it in the net and that was kind of what he did but now in the last couple of seasons or so he's been dropping deep he's been helping out in uh, in the build-up and he's kind of been exactly what I've wanted it uh, what I've wanted him to be and so this was it was a shame to see him not that involved but just from the start this really wasn't a game that that looked that looked right. I was really excited about the lineup. I was interested to see Javi Martinez start. Um, I was I was really interested to see Musiala start. I don't think he did brilliantly, um, but he's 17 years old, so to expect a fantastic performance for 90 minutes would be unusual. I, I think it it kind of showed that he's not ready to start these games. But I think the fact that he was there is kind of like good enough for his for his career because um, I think before he came off, he was starting to to show a lot of promise. Um, but yeah, it was very shaky at the start. Uh, but I, I think, as always, this this defence was just not with it. And now, uh, with Hernandez out for, I think, like a couple of weeks, or at, at least until the next game, um, as in he will miss the next game, I think, against Salzburg, um, it's a problem. And 
doesn't really look like it's going to be fixed anytime soon. Yeah, you're right, Tim. The, the defense was definitely um, suspect, to say the least, against Werder Bremen. And we'll talk about you know what's going on uh, there with Lucas Hernandez being injured and everything in just a second. But before we do that, I do want to talk about the midfield. Because uh, you're exactly right. The lineup was very strange with Javi Martinez playing as kind of like a lone six. And then there really wasn't any, um, there really weren't any number eights, at least in the starting lineup with Jamal Musiala and then Thomas Muller. Uh, but when Hernandez came out, Martinez dropped back into defense, and then Leon Goretzka came in. And so, Garrett, I'm going to come to you because last time we talked, we sort of asked the question of whether or not Leon Goretzka would be able to, I guess, play at, at the high level that he's been at with Joshua Kimmich out. Um, and so, in my opinion, he was probably, maybe outside of Neuer, Byron's best player uh, this weekend. He really kind of changed the game. He helped get gain a little bit of control, and then had a, a really great assist. Do you think he's sort of already answered that question of whether or not he can do it without Joshua Kimmich? I I do. I think that um, I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit during the match, and uh, it seemed like Bayern were missing having two central midfielders uh, from this lineup, and, and that seemed like it was a big part of the problem. But Having said that, I don't think that Goretzka was the problem at all. If anything, it showed me that the question is, who are you going to put alongside Goretzka to make up for the loss of Kimmich more so than can can Goretzka handle that? Because um, I think he handled playing in a lone six role pretty well, all things considered. I, I, I do think that the back... Uh, the back four then becomes a problem uh, as it seems like central midfield is just has to help out so much. And um, while Goretzka can do most anything in my eyes, I don't think that he can cover the type of ground that um, Bayern are going to ask him to cover if, if they're playing him as the lone six back there. So I do think that like, um, I think he answered a lot of questions Um I mean, it's it's a pretty low bar for him to answer my questions, um, just because I I have a lot of faith and trust in him. Um, but I do think that the fact that he played so well just highlights what Bayern are really dealing with when it comes to replacing uh, Yasuo Kimmich. Is it's just it's a it's a matter of. Um, Shoring up that other central midfield spot because he because because this whole the the way that Bayern have played since that pairing started to really work really well, um, it kind of requires it and it requires those two midfielders to be to be central to what what the whole the the, the squad is doing and, and 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 I think we just saw the ramifications of trying to switch up the formation um, and, and, and just not having the personnel um, right now to do it. I think that if given some time, it could work. Um, I think they just, it, it was unfamiliar. And, and given that Werder Bremen um, played a lot better than, than I anticipated that they would, for one thing, I think that that, that played into it. Um, I think it was odd that, Gretzka didn't start the match and I suppose that has to do with him um, playing quite a bit in the international break 
um, more so than anything. But, um, but yeah, I thought he played phenomenally. And I think you're right. I think other than maybe Neuer, he, he would have been Byron's man of the match. Um, you know, he's, he's starting to find his groove and dishing out assists, um, both for club and country. And, and he's in, he, he came up with a huge, uh, recovery to, to save Joshua Sargent from having a, a clear chance after, uh, he, he had made a pretty good move on, I think it was Boateng mm-hmm. to get, to get a free shot. And, um, and, and, but he can't, you know, he tracked back and he, and he, uh, cleared it from danger. So I, 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 I have no reason to have dropped any faith or lost any faith uh, rather to in, in how Goretzka is going to play without Kimmich back there. But I do wonder who you're going to pair next to him because um, it doesn't seem like Flick trusts uh, Roca much yet. Um, I don't know where Tolisso's at as far as his fitness or um, even, or mentality or, what have you but um but but they need another central midfielder i think that's that much is clear yeah and that, that's kind of where i, I want to kind of turn this conversation for a second i think you're right that um flick probably wanted to rest leon goretzka if he could afford to do so uh, i think that we saw the same thing for example with serge Gnabry and Leroy Sané, both starting the game on the bench rather than in the starting 11 probably being rested after the international break and with um, the Champions League in mind, and you know, just the entire busy schedule that Bayern Munich has ahead of them. But you really do, uh, I guess, wish that you know Bayern could have had more solidity in midfield. Or you know, it's it's disappointing, I guess, maybe that Joshua Kimmich gets injured, and then all of a sudden we have this super weak midfield. So, Sebastian, I guess maybe my question is how concerned should we be right now because Bayern are already you know going through some pretty serious defensive issues uh, I'd hate for those to to transition into the midfield but if Flick you know won't start Mark Roca and Contantaliso uh, although he's playing well when he you know can get in there is you know always injured he's got stuff going on so should we you know maybe start to be a little bit concerned yeah actually it is a bit of an uh, interesting, uh, interesting situation here, uh, because on on the one hand, I think yeah, this this match definitely doesn't exactly bode well. Um, on the other hand, I don't I don't think that this game really uh, showed us uh, if there is a problem with our central midfield really, because for me, it, it felt like while this lineup was exciting, uh, it, I was really excited to see a lot of those uh, things that flick gave us there. I was excited to see Javi Martinez. I was excited to see uh, to see Jamal Muziala playing. I was, yeah, uh, really excited about, about uh, the, those two things there because I thought uh, Flick probably has a great idea how to make this work, but yeah, if, if not, if it weren't, if it hadn't been Flick, I would have been really, really concerned in the first place because I don't know how, how you make that work, really. Uh, so, my, my my level of trust in Hansi Flick is just so high that I, I guess I wasn't concerned before before kickoff, but I would have been with just any other manager if if that had been a Kovac lineup, for example, I would have been really concerned. I hope Tim, you you forgive me that, um, because I I really don't know how how this this could have worked much better, really. 
because you, you, we didn't we didn't put Javi Martinez in a position to succeed. We didn't put Musiala in a position to succeed, and I think we also didn't put Thomas Müller in a position to succeed in this game. Uh, because if you're Javi Martinez, you you need another player at your side at this point. I think, especially if you uh, don't have uh, particularly quick defenders behind you, um, I, I think you, you don't really do Musiala a favor. If, if you basically put a lot of defensive responsibilities on him, uh, the same is true for Thomas Müller. I think both of those players need more freedom than that. So this is a bit weird. And then, yeah, Goretzka is... is I, I, I got to say, I was really positively surprised about Leon Goretzka. Not that, the, not that I think... Um, uh, not that I think uh, he's a bad player or anything, but, well... I, w- I would not have thought that that he can that he can pull this off basically as a lone six uh, handling basically most of those defensive responsibilities on his own. So this is interestingly, I, I thought the the task the the challenge for him would be doing uh, what Kimmich does kind of offensively in build up. I think that would would become the challenge very soon for him. But we really didn't see much of that in this game because the the real challenge here was something entirely different. It was, well, not only uh, doing what Kimmich does defensively, but also, well, doing all that alone. So it would would have been t- uh, tough enough if he would have been paired with, like, another number six who's taking, uh, uh, who's, who's doing what uh, Kimmich is doing offensively. Uh, but doing doing all of that basically on his own so that's a, a whole different story, I would say. So I was really surprised that this worked, and I think this kind of bodes well uh, for for the future because we know that we now know that uh, yeah, that Leon Goretzka is more flexible than I, I would have believed actually. Um, and I think we we have players who can probably uh, well rather who are rather in a good position or have the skill set. Um, to uh, do what Kimmich does offensively than what Kimmich uh, brings in defensively, because I think um, with the with the pairing of Goretzka and Tolisso, for example, I would have been uh, much more concerned about uh, defense than about offense, actually. And now I think maybe that is not such a big deal, even when uh, Tolisso looked much better on uh, uh, playing a bit more offensively, uh, playing yeah further up a bit. Uh, because he's played more or less on the 10 when we have seen him recently. So, well, it's really a complex situation we're seeing here. Mm. And it was, I think, I also want to mention that this was just a very weird game, because from watching it, you would not have believed that Bayern was, well, kind of looks dominant when you look Mm -hmm. at the stats. Well, we had 16 shots on goal, and Bremen had seven like we had possession, I think seventy percent. Uh, yeah, the, these are just numbers. You, you would not expect this game to uh, to look like that. It, it was just a very weird game. So it is. It makes it even more, even even tougher to say what's actually going on here. What what the problems might be in the ne- over the next couple of weeks. So yeah. Pros and cons to that, I would say. Even if this was an awful game. Yeah, I I think maybe above all. I think we're just seeing the the um, effects of fatigue. It's been a long uh, year since since you know soccer came back, since football came back after the the break in in March and April, and it's kind of been nonstop for a lot of these guys. And 
especially after you have those international breaks where there's a lot of travel where you don't get to practice with with the same squad every single day you're going to have games like this and so I guess the hope is that it's it's a one-off type of thing it doesn't take them multiple matches to recover Uh, but what hasn't been a one-off thing is Byron's defensive issues and so um, Tim we've kind of gone full circle we're back to you um, to talk about that now but you know, David Alaba, Jerome Boateng, Benjamin Pavard, and Lucas Hernandez was the back line on Saturday. And on paper, you think, despite what, you know, the issues that we have with Boateng and Alaba, you think it would be a fairly strong defensive line, yet that proved not to be the case yet again. Um, and we know, you know, Lucas Hernandez left the game injured. Bonassar, another Frenchman who comes to Bayern and can't stop uh, getting injured. He's hurt as well. Um, and then, interestingly, today came out that, uh, according to Build, Nicholas Sula wasn't playing because Hansi Flick uh, thinks that he's overweight, essentially, and needs to have a conversation with him about that. So there's a whole lot going on with the Bayern back line, and we've talked a little bit ahead of the podcast in the chat that um, I think you have some some issues with what's going on. Maybe you think that there is some, uh, some problems with the squad planning, especially with, you know, Tangi Nianzu can't play in the Champions League until January at least. So, um, you know, what's going on with the, with the Bayern back line? Yeah, I think like my, my main problem isn't, um, it, uh, no, my main problem is, it's the complete opposite of what I wanted to say. Uh, my main problem is the fact that Nianzu isn't registered for the Champions League squad. Um, yeah, he was, he was injured when that squad had to be registered. I cannot remember off the top of my head who is in that squad for like backup purposes like maybe Chris Richards potentially but this is a situation where we could really do with having somebody like him even if it is the first game the first minutes that Yanzu's getting for Bayern is in the Champions League we've got maximum points so far we can afford to have a bad game against Salzburg. Like we can afford to not win one. Obviously, that's not the game plan. Like Bayern should be aiming to win all of them. Um, but this is a situation where we will be lacking some form of depth, either in the middle or out wide. There's kind of there's deficiencies across the entire back line. Um, I saw that um, Bunasar was running today. I don't really know what that means for Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday is the next game. Um, but I don't know, when he was playing against Dortmund, I wasn't overly impressed. I'm kind of not really overly impressed with him as a footballer in general. I've I've watched him a few times at, at Marseille and he doesn't, he can oscillate between being this unstoppable fullback who can like bomb down the wing and somebody that gets found out so quickly as having like a huge deficiency in his defensive capabilities. And I think what we saw against Dortmund wasn't a matter of him like, oh, maybe it's just like his first game. Like he just needs a little bit of time. No, that was quintessential Bunasar, if you ask me. But at the same time, there is that problem that he will have to probably play because I think Pavard might be injured. Like he's had strapping around his thigh for the best part of, it's like a month now. Like he, he is clearly working hurt and you can see that in some of his performances. He's not, he's not really like, running back at the same sort of pace that he used to it's it's a real problem i think if there's only if there's one good thing that can come from it it's that if hernandez is out and alfonso davies is out then that means that david alba goes back to left back because i that was probably like the biggest hole in defense recently 
was the fact that David Alaba was getting found out as being not a particularly strong centre-back. It worked a little bit towards the end of last season, but this year, where every, when everybody is fit, I really do want to see David... Um, well, ideally, I want to see Davies at left-back, but I don't want to see David Alaba as a centre-back. I just don't think that he has he has the skill set to do it week in and week out. Certainly not for the amount of money that he's uh, suggesting that he can do it for. But yeah, defence has been a huge problem for, for quite a long time. I, I, I'd say it even goes further back than than this season. I think it was it was definitely our biggest weakness towards the end of last season as well. Well, if things keep going the way they're going, Tim, you definitely won't be seeing David Oliver playing uh, centre-back anymore, at least for Bayern Munich, because well, you won't really see him lining up for Bayern Munich uh, at all. But I guess my thought is if Tanganyanzu isn't registered for the Champions League, um, you know, maybe poor squad planning, maybe a little bit of bad luck from Bayern that um, certain guys have gotten injured and, and stuff, but he's not ruled out for the Bundesliga games. And so I guess my thoughts, and you know, maybe Garrett or Sebastian, you have some some thoughts on this as well, is why don't we see him play a little bit in the Bundesliga? Like, I know he just came back from injury, and so he's obviously not going to get into the starting 11. Um, and maybe the Werder Bremen game, since it was so close, wasn't the best one to get him uh, into the, onto the field for. But um, don't you at least hope that we'll start seeing him in the coming weeks playing um, maybe not significant minutes, but at least some minutes in in the Bundesliga. I'd certainly hope so. I mean, like you said, I I can kind of understand why you might not have him in the in the Champions League squad. Um, I, I I'm in agreement that I think he should have been probably, but but you know, even if you give the benefit of the doubt there. You'd hope that he, you, we start to see him a little bit more in the Bundesliga, especially given all the injuries, especially given the fact that if um, if it's true that uh, Sula is is seen as being out of shape, uh, overweight, or whatever, um, I, I just you'd hope that you'd see it because the the my thing has always been with with the defense is not so much that um, it's a it's a problem. I think because I think it's it's a it's a part of the what's the saying it's it's not a bug it's 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 a part of the the system i think that they they're so aggressive in how they go about um this style of play that you're just going to open yourself up and i think what concerned me was that against a team like Werder Bremen who does have some attacking options that can hurt you i still wouldn't have thought that they would have as much difficulty with Werder Bremen than as they did on Saturday. And that, that's the thing that concerns me the most. And I, and I, and I think kind of to get back to the whole Goretzka uh, central midfield thing, I, I really think that the fact that Goretzka and Kimmich together could cover so much ground, it really did hide a lot of, you know, maybe some of the positional issues that, that Byron, maybe would have normally had and, and i and i think um to the point of you know trying to play Nianzu or, or or even you know sticking chris richards in there which i i don't think he's ready for that kind of pressure certainly but but you have to figure out a way 
to shore up that back line because that was that was Gretzka's biggest issue on Saturday was that he was not only was he playing central midfield um, by himself, he was also trying to play center back with with the center backs because they were all over the place and struggling and and so so I I do hope I do hope we see Nianzu at least in the Bundesliga games maybe in um, I don't know when the next Pokal match is but. We we have to start seeing some solutions um, here soon because the winter window is still a little ways away, and there's plenty of matches to go in between now and then. So you'd hope that we'd have some some form of a of a band aid at least to to get Bayern through this um, relatively unscathed. Well, I guess from my perspective, the big problem here is that it is this defensive line is just falling apart in every in every area, basically, right? So you have Pavard, who's not at 100%, right? Then you have Boateng, who's having this issue about getting a contract or not. And, I mean, to be honest, he has been, well, he has been playing well, and then he has been playing not so well, and going back and forth for... Oh, quite a long time now, so this is not not exactly news. And then Alaba just hasn't been the player he can be for well, also for months. And then well, uh, Lucas Hernandez has also never been consistently consistently great on the left side. And of course, uh, Davies is missing there, so. Yeah, I think it's just too many problems coming together right now, and that that just makes it so hard to deal with. It's not about fixing one thing or even two things. It's really about fixing four players of four, and yeah, that's just a, a difficult task, of course. And I, I really hope we can at least fix some of those problems. But yeah, it's not going to be just doing one thing, and that it's then everything's going to be brilliant. I fear. I think this is going to be a process that's going to take a while. Yeah, you kind of brought up a point that, that I was um, getting ready to mention, talking about Alfonso Davies, and I think that his name has sort of gotten lost and everything since we haven't really seen him um, really playing at all this season. But I think we're kind of coming to see how important he was, um, not as an offensive left back, but as a defensive left back. He was sort of that uh, get-out-of-jail-free card, if you will, whereas you know if someone beats David Alaba, if someone beats Bayern's extremely high back line last season, especially toward the end of last season, it really wasn't a big deal, right? Alfonso Davies, we saw it numerous times, just just so quick, so fast, he would track back and shut down a counterattack before it ever even really happened. And I do think against a team like Werder Bremen on Saturday, having Davies back there would have made a big difference, you know, tracking back, stopping those counterattacks before they happen. Um... Leon Goretzka did exactly what we would have expected from Davies. Uh, you brought that up earlier, Gary, you know, tracking back on Josh, Josh Sargent. Um, and I think that because it's been so long since we've seen him, maybe we've forgotten how important Alfonso, Davy was, Alfonso Davies was to this starting 11. Um, and then, you know, once you get him back in, now you can put Lucas Hernandez back in, at center back, which is um, where I would certainly prefer to see him play. You can drop one of David Alaba or Jerome Boateng, and so everything starts to sort of um, fall back into place. Uh, so I do think that's something that uh, maybe that's a name that's kind of been overlooked in this whole conversation. Um, I was just thinking because I, I 
can't remember if I've misheard you or if you did actually bring this up, but the Werder Bremen goal came from an attack on Bayern's left side. Mm-hmm. That just wouldn't have happened. I, I, well, I don't know. I can look at it through like rose-coloured glasses, but I couldn't envisage that sort of thing happening so easily uh, with somebody like Davies there. Yeah, certainly not last year. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely not. I mean, because he because Davies wasn't playing particularly well before he got injured this season. Um, but but then again, I don't I don't know that we have any reason to expect that that would have continued. I mean, it seemed like he had had so many opportunities to be found out so to speak it, you know over the course of last season and after that big long pause you would have thought if 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 any of this is just you know kind of beginner's luck momentum type stuff that's when it would have gone away um but having said that um yeah i mean i certainly not last year that that wouldn't have happened and i and i think you're right ben that i think having that kind of speed on that side um, to kind of make up for some of these other mistakes. Um, and I don't know, it's maybe it's a little, again, it's, it's kind of recency bias, but maybe you do start to think that, well, maybe we should have been talking more about Alfonso Davies impact on making David Alaba look like a great center back than on uh, David Alaba's impact on Alfonso Davies playing great left back. So, um, but that, I mean, that's where we're at is that we're, we're just, we're looking at injuries and, um, people out of form and, um, you know, contract talks or what have you. And it just seems like you're right, Sebastian, that back line from right to left all across is we're, we're, we're having question marks and, and it, uh, it's going to be a long process to figure it out. That is an interesting I guess kind of proposition. I hadn't really thought about it in that light of was because David Oliva did have several games where he was he was a great center back, but was that um, you know did Davies really make him look better than he was at center back rather than you know what we initially assumed was Oliva yeah. potentially making Davies look better as a left back? Because I think after game after you know the Barcelona game for example the eight two. Uh, I don't think anyone can can look at Alfonso Davies and what he did last season and say, "Oh, he's some he's a fraud. He's going to be found out." No, nah, he's he's definitely the real deal. <laughs> he's just he's yeah. hurt, had a poor start to the season. So that is that is something that is uh, very interesting. It's certainly going to be interesting to what happens when he comes back too, because like his speed, you know, for all the talk about like, well, he's only fast. That's the only reason that he's good, sort of thing. Um, oh, he's only, only, the, only fastest player in the world, you know, no big deal. Right. But I mean, like, that's the thing is it's like, well, that's still such a huge part of the game. And so it's, it, it, we've talked about it probably too much, but like, you know, we say like, oh yeah, well, if you took away Messi's ability to dribble, right. <laughs> he's not that great. You know, it's like, well, this is still a huge aspect. And the fact is that he is that fast. And so I think everybody on the squad then adjusts knowing that they can play a little bit more aggressive because they have speed on the uh, on the outside that can get back and make up for those mistakes maybe um Alibus playing a little bit more aggressively not so worried about his positioning because he knows that you know you have kind of a 
space eraser um playing next to him and and so so yeah i mean him coming back from an injury is going to be really interesting to see you know how much how long does it take him to get back up to full speed pun intended and um and and see if that fixes things but but i but i don't know i i think that we we're starting to see a lot more problems than just just that left side actually uh just to add that in just very quickly uh, I think uh, maybe it both both is true. Maybe Alaba made uh, Davies a bit better, and Davies made Alaba a bit better. I think that both both can be true at the same time. I mean, obviously for for a left back who's sometimes uh, b- being on offense a bit too much, maybe uh, it's always good to have a to have a center back behind you who can go uh, onto the wing a little bit and uh, take on that winger and uh, try try to well s- stop that cross coming in. Uh, when there is a is a number six who can also get back a little and uh, take up that uh, uh, center back spot, and also of course it's it's going to be helpful uh, for for a center back who's going to be caught out of position sometimes if you have a uh, left back who's going to fly in there at full speed and uh, bail you out. So I think both can be true at the same time, and maybe yeah, maybe this was just a perfect match with those two on the left side. Yeah, and I think that, that I think that again gets to even the what, the discussion that we've had about um, what's going to happen with Kimmich out for so long too is that it'd be nice if it was as simple as you know a one for one player exchange, but but when you put one player in, all their different attributes and skills and talents, you know, affect every other player on the pitch too. And so, so, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, I think it, it was a lot of, it was both, um, that both, uh, you know, Alaba helped Davies, Davies helped Alaba. Um, but, uh, I do think that maybe there is the tendency to look at the, the more experienced player and think that they're the one pulling most of the weight. And it's probably, it probably is a little bit more even. And, um, and then, and then possibly, you know, maybe even the Davies was a little bit more impactful, but, but yeah, it's, it's not as simple as, as one-to-one. And, and I, and unfortunately Byron are dealing with that all over the pitch now. I guess the only way to really tell is wait till Davies comes back and we'll see. Um, I may not know the answer to, to that whole conversation, but I do know no matter what, Alfonso Davies should not have ended up behind Ansu Fati in the golden boy votings. Um, it's all well and good for Erling Haaland to win to win the Golden Boy Award. I'm not too upset about that, but there's no way anyone else should be above Alfonso Davies uh, other than him. But that's neither here nor there. Um, we've got a few minutes left. We went to a poll on Twitter. Some of you didn't want us to talk about the German German national team. Some of you did. Um, the majority said let's do it, so uh, we'll do it, and we'll try and tie in tie it into Bayern Munich as much as we possibly can. Uh, Sebastian, since you are our German, come to you for a um, first question, nice and easy. How in the world does Yogi Love still have a job? Uh, I would say this is uh, because the DFB is very conservative and uh, kind of loyal, I would say. Um, Those two things definitely help here. Uh, I guess I want to also say that long-time listeners probably know I have always been a big defender of Yogi Love. I have even uh, brought him into the conversation when we were 
talking about future uh, buy-in managers. So yeah, I, I'm definitely not someone who is biased against Yogi Löw or anything. But yeah, I definitely get what you're saying here, Ben. And I think I, I saw some polls have, uh, in, in Germany of people think uh, Löw deserves another chance. And yeah, it's like 90 or 95% against him in, uh, among German football fans. And I think uh, if you also add in more casual kind of people who are not even going on sites like Kika and whatever to, to take part in, in those polls, I think it might be even worse. Uh, if you include people who are just very casual Nationalmannschaft uh, fans or something like that. Yeah, so I, I, I think, I mean, he still has a job, but from, uh, I, th I think the media was a bit too quick to say uh, his, he can keep his job because there's this, uh, he's going to have to uh, talk to uh, the, the higher ups at the DFB again, it seems he's going to have to defend what happened in this game and he's going to have to defend his work over well the uh, the last years since uh 2018 basically so i, I I'm, I'm i don't know maybe this is just uh, has just been yeah it's just been postponed for a bit and he's mm. going to have to eventually i would definitely not rule that out at this point uh, i don't know i i really doubt that uh, they, they can keep him keep him for much longer and the other question is who's going to come after him because it's just, it, still, it's definitely you choose to fill. I'm no doubt about that because, yeah, there's no way around that. Um, he, he has achieved a lot with this team. And I think we need to remember that, especially in the conversation that's going on here in Germany because a lot of people say, ah, he was a, he's, a, he's basically a fraud. This was all Flick's doing, which is kind of the continuation of what we had with Jogi Löw and Jürgen Klinsmann. So uh, Klinsmann was just a fraud and he was just looking good because of Löw. And now apparently Löw is only looking good because of Flick. But this doesn't make sense because obviously why were we so good in uh, 2006 and the years after that before Flick even played such a big role for the national team? This doesn't make any sense, right? So yeah, Jogi Löw definitely has done a very good job at a time. And um, yeah, we... Cannot cannot forget about that. I have to say, but I think his time is over, and there's no way around that. Yeah, it's if it's not over, it's it's coming unless there's some sort of miraculous uh, performance at the Euros next next summer. Um, we're all we all keep up with the German national team, I think, as much as any other national team, uh, even though you know Sebastian is the only German among us. But uh, Tim, to kind of tie it in with with Bayern Munich, and it's the the question that it's very easy to ask because of just how prominent it is in the media and everything, but would bringing back Thomas Muller and Matt Hummels, I guess potentially even Jerome Boateng, would that have a significant impact on um, on the national team performances and how the team plays? I guess that's, you know, it's all obviously just in your opinion, but what do you think? I think it would have an impact. I don't know at this point how significant that impact would be. I think every time I look at the the attack, I see an attack that doesn't really have that spark of creativity. I think all of these all of these guys like Werner and, and Gnabry and Leroy Sane, they're very direct players, which I think is is great. And you need that. Like you certainly need that. But at the same time, there's nothing to really facilitate their directness. I'm not a huge fan of Tony Cruz. I think that's 
long really? been established. I, yeah, I tried to keep it close to my chest, but um, yeah, not a huge fan of that guy. Um, but it's it's difficult for me to kind of like see past that bias. But <laughs> I suppose now I'm just going to fully lean into it. <laughs> I can't really see what he's bringing to the team that they desperately need. Um, then again, like my tactical knowledge maybe isn't as astute as as other professional coaches. So maybe he does need to be there. But I think there needs to be some sense of creativity in that team because right now there isn't, especially when you take away guys like Yosua Kimmich. I think people like Thomas Muller, who got however many assists he did last year, the fact that he isn't, like that was a, a record in Europe. That wasn't, I think it was a record in Europe. It certainly wasn't just a record in Germany. This guy broke records for the amount of chances that he was creating and also helping people finish off as well as chipping in with his own goals. The fact that he's not being called up because, oh no, we're going to trust the youth. Okay, trust youth. But that means that you don't trust Marco Royce, who's older than Thomas Muller. You don't trust Tony Cruz, who's only a couple of months younger. Just because somebody reaches 30 doesn't mean that they're suddenly immobile and completely worthless to the to the cause. I think the fact that he was able to get so many assists last season and still not get called up, I think that's atrocious. And then even further back, you know, you can play out from the back. And guys like Mats Hummels and Jerome Boateng are experts at doing that. I don't want to say that as soon as you put those guys back in, great, we're going to win the Euros, we're going to win the World Cup and everything that comes uh, that comes with it. I really don't think it is as simple as that. But my goodness, it couldn't help. Like it couldn't do. It couldn't do any worse than it currently is. I look at I look at team sheets and see people like uh, Jonathan Tarr. I'm not a huge fan of Antonio Rudiger. When he plays for Chelsea, he looks to be a completely different player than the one that plays for Germany. So I guess maybe you just catch him on a bad day. Tilo Kera, my goodness, I don't want to sound like Roy Keane when I say this, but what on earth is he doing playing for Germany? He was. I can remember when he got signed by PSG for 40 million euros. That is so much money. Maybe not for PSG, but he got signed for that. And then all of a sudden he got called up to the squad. What, he, what was he doing for Schalke? He was getting torn apart by wingers on a weekly basis. There's guys in that team that do not deserve to be called up. Even guys like Philip Max. If you're going to call up Philip Max, call him up, call him up three years ago when he was getting the most assists in the Bundesliga. At the moment, he's kind of doing an all right job for PSV. I'm getting sidetracked and angry, which isn't good. Ultimately, call these guys up because it can help. But I think the problem extends way beyond this now. The thing, the thing to me, and, and I hope that this is coherent, but I think with when you're talking about should should it would Muller, Botang, Hummels, those guys would they help this situation? I think the answer has to be a resounding yes, an emphatic yes, um, simply because they don't who who is the the real leader mm-hmm. on this Germany squad i mean it's certainly not cruz it's it's certainly not royce um it maybe maybe neuer but but he's kind of not that kind of a player um it 
and I think back to, I mean, obviously you get in the dangerous territory when you start comparing two World Cup winning teams, but that team had Philip Lom, uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger, um, you know, guys like that, that, that were just, I mean, they had another guy, Thomas Moeller, I think. Um, Good but they had, they had guys with just so much weight um, just in their name and, and, and the way that they played that that really does lift um, the rest of the squad in ways that maybe it doesn't look like it will. Uh, you, 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 again, it kind of gets back to talking about it'd be nice to just do one-to-one and say, oh, that's a good player and that's a good player with similar skill set. We can just swap them out and it's fine. But just the way that they play together, and we actually kind of had this conversation when it came to Bayern and and and, and moving on from Thomas Muller. You you certainly have to to do it. You certainly have to start thinking about the future. But there's a way to do that that doesn't just say, "Okay, you're gone, goodbye. Um, we're not going to worry about it. You just have to accept this role that you're being placed in immediately." And you better hope that you just win a lot directly after that because otherwise the rest of the players are not going to buy into what you're trying to sell them so that that's kind of where i look at this and i say you, you're telling me that having thomas Mueller there doing what thomas Mueller does isn't going to just not that's going to fix every problem but it's going to at least make those issues seem less dire right now you just look at this Bayern, this germany's squad and think okay there's some nice players there i guess but there's no nobody is looking at them and thinking oh yeah they're real they got a real shot at the world cup um i'm not even sure that there's people that think they got a real shot at the nations league you know and so mm-hmm. i i don't know like like you like you said sebastian you definitely have to give um yogi loves some some credit because he did win the world cup with them. Um, and, and for whatever people want to say about it, you know, he, he played a role there. Um, however, you know, that was long enough ago. And I think in, in today's world of football, uh, national team managers don't get that many cycles with a squad. Um, so it's, we're coming up near the end. And I don't know that they that they can go back to what they need to go back to, which is bringing in at least Thomas Mueller. Um, I don't know that he can go back on that um, without them just completely making a coaching change. And and I think I think that's what they need to do. But but I don't know. Um, I'm just I'm an American talking on the phone in his basement, so I can't uh, can't be given too much weight. <laughs> I want to I want to echo really quick and kind of build off what you say before we wrap up, um, because I think you really hit the nail on the head. It's not a it's not a player's issue. It's a leadership. The talent is obviously there in Germany, right? But where's the leadership? Um, so a lot of people have come out and, and said the same thing. Bastian Schweinsteiger talked about the lack of leadership. Uh, a couple more inflammatory figures, Lothar Matthias, criticized the leadership but the lack thereof. Um, Jurgen Klinsmann talked about leadership, the lack thereof, and Matthias and Klinsmann both specifically mentioned Thomas Muller and how at Bayern, Thomas Muller 
on the pitch is like the guy. He leads the team. He drives everything forward. The attack looks to Thomas Muller for, for guidance, for direction, to know what to do. Um, but one of my favorites actually came from Stefan Effenberg because it's all well and good to talk about whether or not um, Thomas Muller, Matt Tumbles, and them should be brought back. Obviously, they should. But uh, Effenberg, and I know that you're going to love this quote, Tim, um, took it a sort of a different route. So obviously, Germany lost 6 nothing to Spain with Tony Cruz playing in midfield. Obviously, Josua Kimmich was out injured. And so Effenberg says, I think against Spain, it was clear to see that Josua Kimmich is the real and light, rightful leader of this team. And it's not Tony Cruz. And I think he really hit the nail on the head. And I think that goes to exactly what you were talking about, Tim. Um, whether or not Thomas Muller and, and Jerome Boateng and Matt Tumbles should be called back up uh, is kind of not relevant because either way, this Germany team should be a lot better. And so maybe against Spain, we saw how important Joshua Kimmich is as a player, um, more so than you know Thomas Muller and them. I just think that we can kind of shift the conversation into a, a more or a, a different discussion and talk about how good Joshua Kimmich is that Germany looks so... Um, I guess, timid without him there to boss the midfield. And that ties in with what we've been talking about with Bayern. And, you know, there's sort of this overlap of a midfield that just lacks um, dynamism, lacks leadership, uh, lacks a lot That when it's used to having such a uh, phenomenal player playing in there. So um, Joshua Kimmich can't come back soon enough for either Bayern Munich or apparently the German national team. But that is all the time that we have for this episode. Um, if you've enjoyed listening or if you are a regular fan of the podcast and you haven't done this already, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate that. If you want to get in touch with us, there are a few ways you can do that. First, you can email us at superbyronpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at superbyronpod and keep, to- keep up to date with everything that has to do with us on there. All of our episodes can be found on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're probably going to be there. Thank you for listening. Go out and tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next time.